The sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Sports Grid Fantasy Football Podcast. My name is Davis Maddock. I am joined by my buddy, Pat Corain. We are going to uh, dig into the bones of an article that Pat did on NBC Sports Edge this week, and then also just kind of shoot the shit about uh, best ball drafting. Though, got, Pat, you guys you guys are doing the main event. You are in the main event. How many? I, I have not listened to the turn mini-sode yet, but I listened to the, the introduction episode. So you guys took... Antonio Gibson in the first round of the main event. That's right. We took Antonio how, Gibson. How in the first high round T of, of you? Are you feeling? Are you feeling like a true FFPC grinder? I am. Then we followed it up with three more running backs because we got to get those running backs. No, that we uh, we did not take another running back after Gibson. The idea was basically, um, if we take Gibson in the first two rounds, then we can build a structure where we're not chasing running backs through rounds where we don't want to be drafting them at all. Um, normally I think we, we can, we really considered Kittle at the one eleven for the elite tight end structure with Waller already gone. Um, Kelsey, obviously already gone, but we felt like given the ADP where Kittle's falling to the back end of the second, if we wanted both guys, we had a much better chance of, uh, getting them if we took Gibson first. So then the team on the 12 hole took, uh, Tyree kill and Stefan Diggs, and then went wide receiver wide receiver again so they actually have a pretty sexy team so it's like kind of the sliding door scenario of like oh that could have been us <laughs> they're doing they're they're doing your brand better than you could they are they're actually they're stealing our brand in real time yeah um all right so let's uh let's get into this let's get into this article uh I, I will I will lead by saying it's a very good article. You should go read it on NBC Sports Edge. Um, effectively, I think I think, uh, I think uh, your boss did a great job titling it because he said, "Don't draft an early round running back without legendary upside," which I think is it's just it that really captures it because. And you guys were talking about this on ship chasing. I also wrote that. Oh, you wrote that. <laughs> they they're letting you write your we, own headlines. We self title, dude. We self title. That's pretty. That's impressive. That's impressive that you don't have an editor doing the doing the headlines. Normally, <laughs> normally in journalism, you really got to work for that, Pat. You really got to yeah, work well, to title your own. Your, your it's own in articles. my it's in my contract. Amazing. <laughs> so, and you guys were talking about this on ship chasing, which is, you know, guys like Derrick Henry. Um, you know, I I think even to a certain extent, guys like Alvin Kamara. Like Kamara had the six touchdown game, but right. he has a hard time having truly legendary seasons because he never really plays more than 60% of his team snaps, even though he is an identity back, right? He, like, uh, like Gretchen right. was talking about he is, but they always have another back taking touches from him. And maybe, maybe that won't be as maybe they won't have that luxury this year because the quarterback play will be a little bit worse. And Latavius Murray is 33, 34, but yeah, yeah, but I mean here. So I will floor floors over to you to explain the premise. Yeah, the premise is that if you just look at win rates, so what I did was I looking I was looking at PPR win rates uh, since 2015, and really I think this this obviously applies to best ball. Um, I'm literally using best ball win rates, but I was thinking through it more so for our managed leagues where we know that you really want to be taking running backs even less because, you know, zero running back principles, you can get guys off the waiver wire. The projection error that we have, you know, is going to hurt you so much more because your opponents are catching up to your running back points throughout the season is they, is they unlock guys on the waiver wire and, you know, through the, the late round dart throws that they took. So if anything, you want to be less running back heavy in managed leagues for managed league formats, wide receivers also have more of an advantage because, you can just start the good ones every week and you don't have the best ball way of catching up wide receiver points. So looking at best ball win rates to inform our managed leagues decisions. And there has been some really good research about average win rates, 
you know, by round, by position. But what those average win rates aren't really showing is that at running back, it's basically a bunch of busts and then a couple guys who have legendary seasons. The guys who, like, when you think about 2017, you think about Todd Gurley. When you think about 2019, that's the McCaffrey season. That's why you draft a running back early because you're hoping you're hitting on that. And on the flip side, when you draft a running back and you think to yourself, well, even if he doesn't turn into 2017 Todd Gurley, he still has a nice, nice safe role that's not going anywhere. Like Zeke Elliott last year. Zeke Elliott didn't have an incredible season. A couple things went wrong. Dak gets hurt, but he still has over 15 PPR points per game. He still has 15 games started. It's not a total disaster. The problem is that Zeke had a 2.7% win rate last year. He absolutely torched even Even without being hurt. Even without being hurt. So when you think to yourself, like, and I have made this argument, so I'm not like calling people out on this. Like I have made this exact argument with Antonio Gibson, who's one of my guys, where I have said, look, even if he doesn't turn into the next kind of Christian McCaffrey dude who breaks out, catches all these passes, He's still locked into a two-down role. Peyton Barber's not coming for that. Well, Antonio Gibson is now getting drafted at a point in the draft where if he's just last year, Antonio Gibson, it's going to crush You lose. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's really that, like thinking through that there basically is no floor when you draft these guys. You are taking a – it, it's a home run derby. You either hit a home run or it's an out, right? So you have to – Be very selective in the profile that you're going for, I think. It's made me a lot more bearish on Derrick Henry, a lot more willing to fade Derrick Henry because I think everything basically went right for Derrick Henry and he still didn't hit. He had a good outcome, but not an incredible outcome. 20.6 points per game in in half PPR? It's just not going to do it. Um, I mean, that. so the other other way I've been trying to think through this is like what, what pays you off? Like what do you get paid off? Right. So if Zeke, Zeke can have like 20, 22 points per game, he's had that over the course of his career, but he's been paying off with like 10 to 12% win rates. That's good. You like that. You definitely would like to have a 10 to 12% win rate and an 8.3% win rate is average, but you're taking on a lot of risk to get like a mild, okay profit. And what you want to do if you're taking on a lot of risk is have actual paths to like, you know, jackpot profits. And when you look at Derrick Henry this year, I think he really stands out. Kind he, of the red he would have to light. score 30 touchdowns. He really yeah. would. It's very difficult for Derrick Henry to be a jackpot. You don't have Derrick Henry in 2021. You didn't win your league type of pick. It's just really hard for me to imagine him becoming that. And the fact that he should at least have 17 points per game. I'm now way I care way less about that after doing this article yeah so a couple a couple of my first responses were the the first thing was I agree with everything I have never drafted a running back but yes. you do still actually have to draft running backs and, and in a weird way I think your research actually shows why the people who are taking the stabs at running backs even in the dead zone why in a weird twisted way it's actually kind of justified this is there's actually this is a, you know what it reminded me of it reminded me of this phenomenon in poker where when the solver era of poker began when people started running simulations through hands they found out that actually calling was just way like people should be calling way more like who was the most annoying idiot to play with at the casino in 2004 it was the dude who just fucking called you all the time like call call never folded you're like oh how can i beat this guy he never folds and obviously like that's a leak but they found that calling was right a lot of the time and it kind of reminded me of i mean david the people drafting david montgomery where he was going last year those were the mouth breathers of fantasy those were the call stations of fantasy football but they got paid off because target cohen tore his acl and he was playing 90 percent of the snaps and getting 10 targets a game in the back half of the season and and what this highlights is that all of these bets that you're making are bad bets by and large like unless you get christian mccaffrey it's pretty much a bad bet but you have to have this bet paid off 
to win your league. Like you absolutely have to win this bet to win your league. Well, I pushed, I pushed back a little bit because so David Montgomery, right. He had a 13% win rate last year. So like everything, like everything went right for David Montgomery. Well, he was useless for the first 10 weeks of the season. Yeah. Because then he had the schedule gods came through and, and blessed him with this incredible run where he's getting Houston and just running. I mean, he had, he was having games with like nine, 10 yards per carry. He's getting in the end zone multiple times in a bunch of these games. Like, Everything went right for David Montgomery last year. 13% win rate. Adam Thielen had a 12.5% win rate last year. Like, you could have just drafted Adam Thielen and think everything didn't go right for Adam Thielen. He had a, a rookie emerge who, you know, had the best rookie season ever. And, like, Dalvin Cook had an incredible season. Like, it wasn't like the offense just flowed through Thielen. And yet you basically have no real difference between if you drafted Adam Thielen or if you, if you took a dead zone running back who everything went perfectly for. So... I actually think to me, it's like if you're just trying to get paid, drafting these dead zone running backs is just very I, – I just – I'm not doing it. Like I'm not – it's not that they can't give you good win rates. It's that the odds of them busting are so high. And then so even high. when the win rates come, they're not legendary. Most of the legendary win rates, basically all but one since 2015, has come from rounds one or two. I think drafters are, you know, to some extent, they're definitely overdrafting running backs, but they're also doing a good job of picking the guys who do have those truly elite ceilings. Like the ADP does reflect that to a decent degree. So I think if you're taking running backs in, again, managed leagues, best ball is a little bit of different animal, but, but managed leagues, I really do not want to be taking running backs at all through, you know, rounds three, through six i'd much rather take one stab in rounds one through two and try to find that guy but like even in the christian mccaffrey year 37 percent win rate that's i mean holy crap is that good yeah that's insane but there were still people who two-thirds of the people almost who drafted christian mccaffrey didn't win their league yeah someone someone else in that in that league found a way league, right. to beat the Christian McCaffrey owner. So it's not like you're dead if you don't have McCaffrey. There are paths to winning the league when someone still when someone has 2019 Christian McCaffrey. And my guess is that a lot of those teams that drafted Christian McCaffrey went running back, running back after, you know, and hit absolute bus in those in those later rounds. And and because people like if you if you have a guy who finds the Christian McCaffrey season and he pairs it with a bunch of wide receivers after you probably are dead, but most people aren't doing that. So yeah, most people are, are, are drafting Josh Jacobs or whatever. Yeah. I mean, you, you hit, you really hit on it here. Your starting lineup is terrible, but so is everyone else's like, that's really like probably the big secret in managed leagues is that most people are, starting players who will not perform in a given week and that and that really the whole idea is about finding the three or four unicorns like last year if you had the josh allen dig stack you basically made the playoffs in the ffpc main event um you know if you if you were able i mean really just digs honestly digs was like such a gigantic smash win rate player last year where he was going um but yeah i mean that that like we, we talk about every pick like we are going to be hitting on these picks, but in, in managed leagues, you were going to drop so many of the guys you draft, like so many of so them. So many. Yeah, we had the team that we drafted with uh, high stakes pro um, or vet. I don't know if he has a real job, but, uh, but Crack Rock is, you know, one of, the, one of these really sharp high stakes drafters. And we got, uh, we took the big dog in round one. We got Eckler in round two, who was hurt most of the year. And then we ended up with, like, we took OBJ, who obviously tours ACL. We ended up with Keenan Allen, Stefan Diggs, and Josh Allen. And basically through Derrick Henry having a, a really good season and having Keenan Allen, Diggs, and Allen, we were, we, our team rolled. But that's it. Like, uh, most of our other picks were bad. You know, yeah. like, pretty much every other pick we had was not a great pick. And that's how it goes pretty much every year. Like you're just sort of sifting, trying to find these guys who are going to have awesome seasons. So it's not like, Hey man, like your wide receiver three 
looks pretty weak. Like, pretty, pretty. I we started. I I did a main event team with Evan Silva, Pat Thorman, and Rich Rebar, in which we had we we got the big dog. We took the big dog in the first round. We had Eckler. We had Eckler, same as you guys in crack. We Henry Eckler and Eckler came back and was good, but we missed him for a bunch of the season. And we had DK Metcalf and Russell Wilson. So we we started out the season eight and zero because those guys were so good. And then Eckler came back. We our situation was so dire. We started Kendall Hinton that week. He started at quarterback <laughs> for the Broncos. We oh started God. Kendall Hinton and we won that week. <laughs> yeah, there you go. You can win starting Kendall Hinton in these in high stakes leagues. I mean, the main event. Yeah, it's uh, it's nuts, and no one wants to think that way right now because it's like. It's honestly depressing. It, like, it, well, it's what it's what Pete said the other day. It's like you're drafting for your life. Every question you answer, you have to have supreme confidence, and you have to be like, I would do this every time. And it's like, I, so many of these picks I'm making right now. I mean, these best ball teams that we're drafting right now, they're all going to be bad, probably. Like, we're all yeah. like, like so many of these picks we're making that we feel so good about. Like, forty percent Demarcus Robinson is going to look pretty bad in week four. You know how, like, if someone, if you just draft a team and then, like, you show it to someone and they're, like, not super kind about it. Like, they're not a dick, but they just, like, kind of point out and how you kind of feel that makes you feel bad. Wait until reality gets yeah. its turn. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to feel real bad then. That's so true. And, like, and like or, or just even training camps, right? And you're like, yeah. oh, like... I mean, I was drafting a little bit of Denzel Mims, you know, and then they're like, oh, he's running with the twos. And it's like, great. Awesome. Drafting a little bit of Des Fitzpatrick, a little bit of Josh Reynolds trade for Julio Jones. Great. Awesome. And it's like, it's just going to be like that. But for 17 weeks of just getting hit in the face with making wrong decision after wrong decision. Exactly. Like it is unbelievable how wrong every single person in this industry is right now. We don't really, we don't know it. But we are so, so wrong, so wrong about yeah. so many different things. So that's just the way this is going to go. Like there's going to be a handful of guys. When we look back at this year, we're going to go, were you on this guy? Because that's what the season's going to come down to. Were you on this guy, this guy, this guy, and this guy? And that's basically all that's going to matter. And you're trying to find those guys. Your draft is an exercise in figuring out, you know, who has the most likely chances of popping into one of those guys and you draft a portfolio of those dudes who are who are some of the early candidates you you think of as that guy i i have a couple are we talking what position are we talking let's go let's stick with let's stick with running back maybe we can do wide receiver that guy next week okay the right so the running backs i'm actually i promised everyone an article on this and i'm like i'm actually i'm like trying to figure out that question because when you look at okay you go McCaffrey yeah McCaffrey can be that guy obviously he's a good one-on-one Derrick Henry I'm not into it Dalvin Cook can be that guy Zeke Elliott I'm very much on the fence about I think he can get in the end zone enough but I think his most likely outcomes are are more like 20 points per game and which is you're gonna get paid out but again it's that small profit and you took on a giant risk with a better running back behind him to do it so I don't think he's gonna be a target for me Alvin Kamara. I think I think you're wrong about Zeke. I think okay, Zeke. Okay, give me the counter. The counter is the Cowboys are gonna be like a hot knife going through butter against opposing defenses, and the team has basically shown. Well, while Dak has been healthy with with Dalton and with Danucci, they started to play Pollard a little bit more. But with Dak on the field, they have never shown any intention of taking Zeke off the field. It's never happened. Um, so I just think he's just going to be out there. He also like Zeke well, doesn't I, have. Let me go what, ahead. What does that matter? Like why? That's just small sample size noise to me. Like this because Dak wasn't there, they started playing Pollard more, or because oh, it Pollard's was just a to, it was just a total time. It was just a total lost season for them, and they were just trying stuff out. I think that that is my and again, like I said, we could all just be very wrong. But we have it wasn't have, because Zeke wasn't very good last year, and Pollard was awesome. Well, and also you got to think about it from a coaching perspective. They're sitting there searching for an answer. Like, how can we move the ball? They're not going to have that problem when Dak is back and they have a bunch, like three guys are back healthy for the offensive line that were not there last year. They're not going to be sitting there looking at their offense being like, shit, we really got to change it up. 
Like they're going to be scoring it. They're going to like maybe lead the league in points with Zeke. So Zeke had in 2018, he had 1,434 yards, six rushing touchdowns, 77 receptions, 567 yards, three receiving touchdowns, 22 points. Yeah. So if he just, if he just does that, but they just, he just runs hot on touchdowns. He, he could bury you for not having him very easily. Yeah, you're right. Cause that gets him up to the, the 25 point per game range. If he gets in the end zone, a bunch. Of I, I, I can't, because you are, you are even of the same opinion of me of like, okay, we're drafting CD. We're drafting Amari. We're drafting Dak. We're drafting Gallup. We're drafting Jarwin. I can't, I can't imagine having that portfolio going into the season and then being like, you know what? I'm not taking Zeke. You just got to do it. Cause we also think that running back talent doesn't really matter that much. So we can't be like, Pollard is the key that I'm, you know, he's the engine. Like you can't, you can't have both of those opinions. I think Pollard is better than Zeke and I'm drafting a lot of Pollard, but I'm taking Zeke at ADP too. So the problem that I have with Zeke, right. Is that like, it's not that because we need everything to go right. Like it can't be like having a guy who's better than you sitting behind you is like, is a a problem. Very, very big problem when everything needs to go right and 2018 Zeke's career year wasn't good enough I mean look it was a good season at 12 percent win rate in 2018 you are not sad you drafted Zeke in 2018 but I'm not buried if Zeke turns in a 2018 I'm fine well and also again remember we we are drafting these things for weeks 15 16 17 Zeke could show Zeke is one of those guys who could show up with the five touchdown game. That's true. Hundred percent. That's definitely true. He could get you that spike when you, spike week when you need it. Yeah, I I struggle with Zeke. I struggle with Zeke because it just it's feels like because he there's sucks. so many ways it can go wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Like if if like for example, if the Titans just threw Derrick Henry the ball fifty times a year. Like, I'd be like, shit, yeah, he's so much better than Zeke. I'd rather have him, but they just, I don't know. They just won't do it. They just won't throw him the ball. They won't do it, and I think the offense is going to slow down. Yeah, I think that's I think that's true, too. So, my, I there were, there are two guys who I think are going to make it on Sean's zero running back list who I think have the potential to be, you needed to have this guy. And they're the two rookies, Travis Etienne and Javante Williams. Yeah, 100%. Because... There is a very clear path. I mean, there is a clear path to Javante Williams being like rookie year Doug Martin. Like just Mm -hmm. they're like, okay, you can have 250 carries and 85 targets and just, you know, go off King. Like this, what is this team? Oh, Melvin Gordon. He's making Melvin Gordon. I think they even have an out on his contract. Like they could cut him. I don't think they will, but they could very easily. Probably won't, but it's his last year on the team. You could easily see him. I mean, if he's like getting pissed off about the situation, they could just make him a game day inactive and put Royce out there. Like, I mean, that were Mike Boone. I mean, they like no Mike no sweat off their no sweat off their back yeah. at all. And then the the thing with ETN is Trevor Lawrence could be really good. Trevor Lawrence could be like rookie year, you know, Andrew Luck, or like he could just be incredible. Uh, and they could just give like he probably doesn't have as much upside to like the carries but he could just get all, he could be kind of like Kamara, like all the high value touches. I'm less interested in, um, I'm less interested in ETN. Yeah. I, not, I not, like Javante more. I'm with you there. Yeah. It's, and the reason that I'm not as interested in ETN is because like, when you look at Deandre Swift last year, Deandre Swift had like a okay win rate. Like he basically got there. Um, yes. But yeah, that's a really nice outcome for etn like if we're sitting here we're like he turned into what deandre swift was was last year deandre yep. swift had an 8.9 percent win rate that's barely above average and he was awesome so you need etn to be awesome you need him to be used around the goal line you need him to make big plays like i think all those things can happen but when they happen i just get my money back like no thank you i'm gonna be i, I think i'm gonna be avoiding him i like javante williams where i think he can be more of like a jonathan taylor type of you know, dude who emerges more quickly and ultimately delivers more value. You know, that's like, he doesn't quite have Taylor in his range of outcomes. I don't think because they seemed, well, he got the the Mac ACL injury, which really unlocked him. Um, 
certainly if Melvin Gordon went down, Williams would have that in his range of outcomes. But with a healthy Gordon, I don't think he's got true Taylor level upside, but it's not off the table completely just because of what we were saying about Gordon. So he's the guy to me where, especially because I think Williams can emerge down the stretch and be a guy who you're lock buttoning into your starting lineup to close yeah. the season and not just in the playoffs, but from like week eight on, you could just be like, Oh, he's a locked and loaded every week starter for us from now on. And you, you know, you manage to figure and out. They might, back. they might trade for Aaron Rodgers also. Fringe, yeah, that's fringe true. Benefit. I mean, you fringe benefit for sure. Wow. Um, yeah. Javante Williams definitely jumps out. Now he's a bit expensive. Like I'd, I'd love him in the sixth round, but of course, you know, in the FFPC and stuff, he, he's going fifth round which, which I get, like you're trying to prioritize the guy with the upside. You're going to be willing to pay up for him. I don't think it's bad, but it's going to end up limiting my exposure to him. I think. Yeah. I think that, uh, I don't know. Like I really, I maybe, maybe he is better in the best balls, but I really, I really would like to, to have a good con- And I have just kind of recently arrived at this conclusion. Cause I like all the wide receivers where he goes, like he's in a, he's in a Javante Williams goes in between like chase Claypool and uh, you know, Robbie Anderson. It's like, well, I'd just much rather have those guys. I, re- I like him in best ball mania. I mean, you get the half PPR, you get the playoff weeks mattering like a lot. You get, you know, his profile set to emerge like the article Jack Miller is talking about, you know, these these rookies kind of coming on down the stretch in these playoff week tournaments. Um, and you you don't have the waiver wire. People can catch up to your wide receiver scoring through the best ball format. Like I, I like him a lot in best ball mania. And I, li- I still like him a lot more than ETN uh, in there. I think yeah. their ADP should almost be flipped. I, and I and I like ETN more as a prospect. Yeah. All right. Do you wanna you wanna talk about our Scott Fishbowl teams? Yeah, let's do it. I got a okay. lot I got a lot of pushback on my Jalen Hurts uh selection at two twelve. Yeah, because people are fucking stupid. Uh listen, Eric Eager, uh Frisco Josh, if you guys are listening to this, you guys know better. You literally know better. You literally know better. You have heard, you have been on the opposite side of these arguments with Lamar, with uh, I mean, with every rushing first quarterback ever, they look a little bit awkward throwing the ball. They have a dumbass head coach, and he, I think he probably, I think Jalen Hurts probably does have a dumbass head coach, but you guys literally know better. So does you Kyler, Murray. Better. Yeah, Kyler, Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray has a dumb coach. field goals more than CD Carter. Like, there's, you know, he's, and he also looks a little awkward throwing the ball sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> it's not I mean, Kyler, Kyler is a much better passer than Lamar. I mean, he is. Hertz, Hertz is going to have some games in this format that are maybe a little bit tough to eat. Like when they're like, there is going to be some game when they get down 21 zero to some team and Hertz is just going to, he's going to blow you up. Like what I accept it, but he is going to run for so many yards. He is going to run so much. Cause I do. I just think that that's their best path and plan for success right now is just to really use him as a rusher because it also seems like they're not super committed to him as like a franchise cornerstone considering the uh the signing of joe flacco and they like won't commit to him as a starter early on which is so bizarre but yeah i mean we and obviously we both have jalen hurts which is why we both feel passionate about this yeah i think uh he's gonna run a lot now i'm a little concerned about um this format specifically because you do you not have a ton of completions. Yeah. So you actually are betting a little bit on Sirianni, I think in the sense that he has talked up the screen game a fair amount. And if they do implement more screens and they got Gainwell in here, um, you know, Miles Sanders can be used in that capacity. That would help for Scott Fishbowl, I think quite a bit. Um, but if, if Hertz is kind of throwing like we saw last year, uh, attempting a lot of deep balls, low completion percentage. It's going to be pretty bad in this format. Uh, so I, I did ultimately take three quarterbacks, which you would, you and Pete kind of said was bad when we were on this pod previously, but I, uh, but I still did it. And I don't know. I kind of talked myself into taking Trevor Lawrence and at the four Oh one. And then when fields was just sitting there, at, I don't, at I, the I don't think, I don't think taking fields was that bad, honestly. 
Like, I don't think it was terrible. A- eighth round is different than taking your third quarterback in the fifth round, which some teams did. Yeah. Yeah, I just feel like, you know, you're you're trying to give yourself outs to elite quarterback play. And so I've got an extra, you know. I want to take uh, one more chance at getting, like, I don't know if, if, if Lawrence is going to be that guy. I think he has a good chance. But quarterbacks score so many points in this format when they're kind of hitting the format correctly. And so now I've got, you know, three chances at finding one of those guys. I can kind of stream the other two. Um, so that that was kind of my thinking there. But ultimately, I do feel pretty good about Christian McCaffrey 101 because I got Stefan Diggs at the 312. Right? Yeah, so you, like, you, your league, your league really let it, you have it, basically. And is that's, what that was here. my whole bet. Show me you're not going to let me have it. I'm taking CMC and then show me I can't get an awesome team around CMC plus. I'll be totally fine at quarterback. And I feel like that's what happened. Like I got yeah, digs. Your your league. Cause even if even if Hertz doesn't, if if Hertz or Lawrence don't work out, if either one of them are playing suboptimally, I, I mean I, I feel I feel pretty good that two of your three quarterbacks are gonna work out here. I do too. And then I got Lamb and a, and Cooper at the five six turn. So if you're just thinking like a normal league, like I basically got CMC in the first, digs in the second, Lamb and Lamb in the third. Cooper in the fourth, like this all like checks out. It's actually like better than normal. I got Higgins in the next one. So Higgins is my fifth round pick. Like I got, uh, I got Will Fuller and Robbie Anderson next. So that's, I guess a little, a little pricey for the sixth and seventh, but I'm like, I'm totally good at quarterback. So I don't know. I, I feel pretty good about this. Who did you take Robbie over? I I'm interested. I'm interested if you took Robbie over LaVisca Chenault. No, I did not do that. Come on. Come on. No, Visca was gone. Has Pete, has Pete gotten into your head about LaVisca? Are you off of him now? I, Pete's in my head in a, in a different sense, which is that we're, we're drafting main event teams together. And I'm like, am I going to have to talk Pete into LaVisca Chenault? Like, what's you happening? are, you are, you guys oh are going to be God. on the clock in the seventh round and he's going to be like, you know, I don't know who's a bad running back to people. He's going to be trying to get, take Trey Sermon. <laughs> Dude, the weather in San Francisco is so nice year round. <laughs> so I actually, I actually just had a, I, I just had a pick be made from my pre-draft selection, and I wanted to talk. I actually wanted to talk through it live before I made it, but it, it didn't get through. Uh, what what is this pre-draft? You, you've been having like this pre-draft crisis where they keep well, no, I, I, and trying to unpre-draft. Well, I. I put the pre-draft in because I want to be a pre, like I would like for it to go fast, but you know, obviously you can go in and change it uh, if it right. is not to you yet. So I just, I just had put Jordan love in the 17th round as my pre-draft selection. And I wanted to talk it through with you before it went through, but it, it went through. So, which is fine. I have Jordan love. What do you think about Jordan love as the third quarterback, which is basically the thesis you and I have always had, which is take the first round quarterback that goes the latest. He was a first round quarterback last year. And, you know, there is this whole uh, Aaron Rodgers thing, but I, I think that this is actually like a, a potentially GTO strategy for the Scott fishbowl because quarterbacks are going so early. Like Deshaun Watson was off the board in the eighth round in mine, Mac Jones in the ninth round, Taysom Hill in the 10th round, Cam Newton in the 10th round, um, uh, Drew Locke went in the 14th, Jimmy G in the 14th. Like there's no quarterback stuff to be found. I kind of like it. I, my, like in dynasty, I like taking guys who are underpriced to a franchise has committed to, partly because you can always trade them usually at a giant profit. So like that yes. year, this year is it's Zach Wilson, but I do like taking stabs on like guys like Jordan love again, cause of the, cause of the trade value. Um, and they're much cheaper than even Wilson. I, I think here, I mean, you know, you're going to need Jordan love to both get the job and he's going to have to. Yeah. He might just be, be good in this format. He, he, he yeah. might just, he might just be at like negative point. He might be Sam Darnold <laughs> to be honest. He might be Sam Darnold. So, you you kind of need like it's a thin path to him being amazing, but but I think the reason to take a guy like Jordan Love right now in Scott Fishbowl is because of what you, me, and Pete talked about with like targeting the guys who we're gonna know more about later, and you would never yeah. have gotten this late. Like even if Jordan Love is bad, if 
Aaron Rodgers ultimately does he got, not if he got play. traded if he got traded to the Broncos he would have been a ninth round pick or whatever exactly exactly so getting that kind of information edge or like you know having that information come through and and then you got like a free ninth round pick I, I kind of like it I who who are you like taking him over so I was, I mean, it is, we are, we are now officially to the part where it's just like ADP doesn't matter. And it's whoever was there. I was, uh, I was looking at maybe Rashad Penny, maybe Darius Slayton or Kadarius Tony. Those were the, those were the other two, but I feel pretty confident I'll, you know, I'll be able to pick those guys off in the next round or whatever. Yeah. I think that's totally fine. I guess the part that I would be like the most concerned about is that like, as you're quarterback three but I, I actually have last year I don't think I even drafted the quarterback three so I, I so that, well, I'm I, like barely concerned about that most years most years I don't I, I took yeah. I got Justin Herb I got Justin Herbert last year but it didn't even do anything for me because my other quarterbacks were so good right um so my team I did get the the Austin Eckler misclick really worked out for me because I think I probably would have taken Javante Williams too early had I not gotten Eckler, but getting, getting Eckler in the third round freed me up to take wide receivers with seven straight picks. I have Hopkins, Lamb, DJ Moore, Tyler Lockett, Chase Claypool, LaVisca Chenault. And then my draft left Michael Gallup to wide receiver 48. Holy shit. In the 12th round. And that's sick. Yeah. That is crazy. No, no disrespect to my league mates, but they really gobbled up the dead zone running backs. Like they were like really like Jacobs and Montgomery and Mostert and Sermon. Like they were all over it. Yeah. uh, I just had Ronald Jones go right before me. Oh, tough scene. You think I would have been very sad about, but I got, then I got Will Fuller and Robbie. It's like, I uh, took, uh, I took a tight end over – I took Evan Ingram over Ronald Jones, and then Ronald Jones went the pick immediately after, which, whatever. How are you playing tight end? Because I have been basically doing a full-on punt, and I don't uh, my, love it, my plan, but I don't, I don't know what my other option really is. My plan after Tyler Higby went was to punt, but I was up in the 10th round, and Evan Ingram was there as, the, as tight end 12, and I – Evan Ingram has been largely incredibly disappointing as an NFL player, but I mean, look, the thesis for the Giants offense is there. I I don't know if it's going to happen, but they signed Kenny Galladay. They draft Kadarius Tony, who we think sucks, but look, they add a first round wide receiver. If we're going to, if we're going to tout the first round wide receiver stuff for Lamar, you got to kind of, you kind of have to be even keel with those things. So it's like, well, I don't know what they basically it's like a Kevin White level of uh, mm-hmm. level of addition. Like I'm not, I'm not. But also, Daniel Jones. In a weird way, the awful role that they put Evan Ingram last year as like the fly or as like the the four yard out guy was actually very good for his Scott Fishbowl scoring because he just caught a bunch of four yard passes, which sucks for your overall scoring, but is good for your Scott Fishbowl scoring. Why didn't you take Kyle Rudolph then? That's a good question. And then I took <laughs> no, but in all seriousness, Kyle Rudolph, I think, is that guy. I think Kyle, they they took Evan Ingram and they were like, "You're Jason Witten now," and everyone oh, got really mad. Man, and yeah, then you're right. and then Garrett was like, "Everyone was right. I need a different guy to play." Jason I need Witten. I need so a new brought in Kyle Rudolph. You have really been mentioning Jason Witten a lot on podcasts recently. I have. It's been weird. Yeah, because I've been I've been invoking him as a reason to take Zach Ertz in like the 18th round. Amazing. Yeah, but these tight ends, they gotta they gotta age. The bar is so low on what you need. Um, but and I, I think that Evan Ingram probably won't be in that role that we saw him in last year. Like genuinely, I think he'll be more of like I think he'll be used a little bit more intelligently given that his skill set is not being J- like Jason Witten. And Kyle Rudolph's yeah. kind of is. So I don't know if that's good or bad for this pick, but and then I took I took Gerald Everett in the 14th round as well. Oh, I love that. Yeah. I can get Gerald Everett in the, in the 14th. Like depend very much depends on your league. I saw Gerald. I see, like, they're just, cause there's such a wide range of, of where guys go in these formats. Um, but yeah, I, I think you should, I, and 
Look, in season, you are going to be able to piece together some things at tight end. Like, I have started some hilarious names at tight end in, in the years over the Scott Fish Bowl. Like, Jaden Jaden Graham, the the hot, the Falcons tight end I've started a couple. Mm-hmm. Cameron Brait was a guy mm-hmm. last year. Like, I mean, you just you, – you would think that with how deep it is, but people are just not actively monitoring tight end stuff like that that often. You can kind of piece it together. People are going to be starting starting Tyler Croft – this yeah. year, like, there's going to be a bunch of randos that people end up throwing in there. What are, What is Cincinnati doing at tight end? Uh, I mean, like, is, is that his is, he, is, is, uh, is he back? He, I mean, he tore his ACL in the first game last year. I guess that's Uzoma again. So, like, there. I mean, like, people – because first, sort- first, first article, Bengals, CJ Uzoma could be on chopping block in 2021. Okay. Well, they do – they will have a tight end playing <laughs> – well, and you'll probably it, it, start him in Scott Fishbowl from time to time. It'll just be what happened last year. It'll be Drew Sample will be out there running empty calorie right, routes. Drew Sample, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it, it is funny how you see these teams. The guy that I like keep taking now is uh, is Jordan Akins. Because yeah, he's you like love, you love Jordan Akins. I kind of do love Jordan Akins. Like he he was in a committee last year. Fells is gone. They don't have any wide receivers, really. They got Brandon Cooks. Brandon Cooks has struggled with a ton of injuries. They literally, like, do not have outside wide receivers after that. They've got two slot guys, Cobb and Kuti. And what, their outside guys are Chris Conley, uh, Dante Moncrief, Nico Collins, third-round rookie. Not a great production profile. It's pretty interesting athleticism. Could be good, but we don't know. I mean, how does he not get targets? And like I understand the quarterback play is bad, but the quarterback play being bad is almost good for it's like a bad for, for a tight end. Yeah, because yeah, then he's just gonna like take the dump off check down route. So you like the volume's not gonna be there, the touchdowns aren't gonna be there, but like he is genuinely free. We got him in the 28th round. I did one of these uh slow um FFPC like $35 best balls. Yeah, 28th round, tight end premium. Like I don't know. I don't really understand. He's being treated as if he's um, Drew Sample, but I don't think he is. I think he's like a real starting NFL tight end on the worst offense of like maybe the last two decades. But uh, but still, that, that's got to be worth something. Yeah. Yeah. I think that I think that is I think that's reasonable. I mean, there are a lot of different ways uh, to play it. Are you are you uh, are you gunning for James White as your RB2 in the Scott Fishbowl? Dude, honestly, I haven't even thought about running back. Like, I like I don't know when I'm going to take a running back. Um, I, like, briefly looked at the running backs when I was on the clock, and I saw Michael Carter was there. I was like, oh, that's yeah. that's kind of nice. I get Michael Carter. But then I was like, hang on. If I was, like, an underdog right now, would I be taking Michael Carter over Will Fuller? Like, yeah. No, I, I would 100% would not be. And I can start six wide receivers a week in this it's format. It's so, so amazing. Clicking the start button on this, dude, it is so good. I love Scott for this format because there will there'll never exist another format where Chase Claypool or LaVisca, you'll have to be doing a start sit between Chase Claypool and LaVisca Chanel. <laughs> right. like it, it's so amazing, dude. I love it. It is. It's so good. And like, I actually have come to realize that formats that de-emphasize the wide receiver but have more more flex spots are like the best zero running back type of formats or you know or modified zero running back as i've done zero running back tilt tilt yeah i oh i I need to pull the t-shirt up i mostly am trying to stick to good structural decisions and i mostly like to take wide receivers because they score points too while occasionally making pit stops for running backs quarterbacks and tight ends along the way provided that they're good point scorers too because you need points from those positions as well sometimes i do try to let the draft fall to me (laughs) i mean neither of us are as funny as pete but damn that was so good we're just doing overs impressions right now yeah Yeah. um i think (laughs) i think like you know, whether or not you took McCaffrey in the first or or whatever, or if you grabbed, you know, a falling running back in the, the early first or second or whatever, just hammering wide receiver for the longest time in this format is just so, so plus EV. And and people, because the because they can objectively correctly say wide receivers score less in this format, they don't have the ceiling of running backs. Like that's all true, but that's actually why it's such an advantage to be drafting wide receivers 
right now because they're all like way, way underpriced, right? So it's like the scoring is true. They are, they don't have the ceilings. And then everyone, they like score 20% less or whatever. And everyone, then, then they're 50% off. So it's yeah. like, okay, I'll like that. You've completely overestimated how important this is given the fact that they're still going to be way more projectable. They're still going to be 100% the guys that, that you're going to be winning the flex with because all those running backs that you took for that high, high ceiling. Yeah. Maybe one of them hits, but the rest of them are going to suck and they're not going to fill out the flex spots. So if this, if this format had like, you know, start up to three wide receivers, we'd have to all be high T dudes drafting running backs because you'd have to, you'd have to, if you could, if you could, if you could only start three wide receivers, I would be drafting the fuck out of tight ends. I think. Yeah. Yeah. That would be, that would be the hack. That would be the hack. You're right. Um, But yeah, as it is like the only way to fill all these flex spots with like decent scores is to, draft enough wide receivers and the wide receivers aren't going to all hit like wide receivers bust too. They just busted a lower rate. So like you have to, there are going to be, there are going to be people starting like Melvin Gordon when they could have had Will Fuller, like plenty of people are making that decision. And it's just like, what's the point? I I completely agree. And like, also Will Fuller might get hurt. So like, I don't want to, I don't want to stop. Like when I'm not stopping when I get to six, I'm like going to keep drafting. That's dude. That's the, what, who was it? Was it Blair? Or was it Sean who wrote that article last off season that said, if you, if you're not, if you're not having trouble with zero RB, you're not drafting enough wide receivers. I believe that was Sean. And it's like, it's just one of those like incredible pieces because it sounds like almost, you know, it's Sean. So it sounds like, like a too little much, yeah, a little too a little much tongue in cheek. Yeah. But it's actually like perfectly correct. Um, because, you're probably like it goes back to the idea of like your starting lineup sucks but so does everyone else's like you're you have a format where you can only start four wide receivers and like you have six wide receivers you know through the first eight rounds you're like well i already have my starting wide receiver it's like no you probably don't though because there might be a guy just in this next pick who's actually the dude who's gonna pop and start as like your wide receiver two every week half the guys that you just drafted are probably not the guy you think they are and so you're just trying to find the guys who are going to pop and you're going to be dominating the flex and also the other thing is that the opportunity cost at running back i think is just way lower than we think like i i'm guilty of this i've like you know talking myself into james connor reports coming out that it like report came out yesterday i don't know if to take this report no no i'm i i'm taking it super seriously i'm done i'm done i'm done with james connor the report is basically like it's not even a competition this is chase Edmonds job. Like this, it's like silly to even think that Connor has a shot at this job. Right. So I was thinking like, wow, James Connor, what a nice risk of, of ceiling. And like, he'll have like a committee role and he might just be like nothing. Like that is kind of the problem with running backs, even through, you know, the later range where the wide receiver bets aren't as good is that the running back bets are like kind of bad. So you're still probably better off just hammering wide receiver through those rounds and then coming back, coming back around for, are you doing like, do you have some kind of like publicity deal worked out with James White? Is that why you keep mentioning? Him specifically? No, it's like- that it's that his ADP <laughs> makes no sense. It's that it's that of all the, like, if you historically just look at what James White has done when he has been on the field, he is like the glue guy for zero running back teams. Right, so like he's it, like not trying to get into sports media and has like some sports grid deal worked out. No, but I mean, just look at look at what James look at what James White has always done. He's he's just been like fifty receptions and and you know like eight of six hundred seven hundred scrimmage yards, which is like that is what you that's what you need. That is literally that is literally what you need to scrape by for a couple weeks on these zero RB teams. I don't think he's really got that much upside. I guess he, he scored the 12 touchdowns in 2018. I, I don't think that's going to happen for him this year, but I mean, even you, uh, you made this point on ship chasing yesterday or on Wednesday too, that pass catching running backs actually have more volatility and that they are more, they're more likely to give you random spike weeks than uh, Gus Edwards or whatever. Yeah. Gretch is making that point, which, which I think is a really good point. Um, the, the James white guys, like, they're so much cheaper at that point. The wide receivers are like real gross. They're dart throws. And so 
like, I don't know, one of the things that I'm kind of trying to remind myself as I transition from best ball to the high stakes stuff is that I don't need to be reaching for like James Conner and like even AJ Dillon, who's a little cheaper, like I, those guys aren't bad, but like, well, maybe it might, it turns out maybe Connor was, but, but like Dylan's not bad, but I still am probably giving up a fair amount of wide receiver opportunity costs there. So I'd rather that's, that's the point where it starts to die out. Like, I think, yeah. I think like 10th round when it's like Corey Davis, Elijah Moore, McCall Hardman, Devonte Parker, those guys, it's like, there's some opportunity costs there, but I feel that those guys have just as high of a bus rate as AJ Dillon or James Conner. Like, I, I think your opportunity cost gets a lot lower there. They have. Yeah. But I, I think the, the win, like the high win rate guys, the guys who are like going to be popping are still, they're still there. So it's like, you need. I, I don't want to just load up on running backs in that range. I, I still want to be, I kind of basically want to be going to 50, 50 through those kind of rounds. Like, you know what I mean? Like we're, I sometimes have talked myself into um, like, I have to get these running backs here. Yeah. Like I, they're like, they're like must haves through this range. And I think it's good to get exposure through there, but not necessarily to, you know, to sort of go wide receiver heavy through like round eight, and then at round nine, just immediately flip and get the get the running backs going. Because like there are those really high upside rookies that are in those in those rounds, like every year. And there's some interesting second year breakouts that come out of that range. So it's I think going 50 50 there. There's guys like Michael Carter who um are there in best don't, ball. Don't I think, think I've taken Michael up. Carter yet. Why don't you like Michael Carter at all? He's a fourth round rookie on a team with a low win total who has competition from at least two other guys, if not more. Yeah. Well, I have a lot of Ty Johnson in best ball. So um, like why, why, what is the, what is the logic for Michael Carter going ahead of Ronald Jones? It's just that Michael Carter hasn't disappointed us yet. No, I don't think that's the logic. I think the logic is Michael Carter catches passes. We know Ronald Jones will not be a, on any real passing downs except maybe yeah. the first down screen. Um, we know that uh, Ronald Jones is going to be in some kind of like three headed monster. Uh, like, I, yeah. I think even if like Fournette went down, they'd probably figure out a way to, to split up the early down work. Um, what we, what we don't know with Carter is that the offense is actually bad. Like, Car- like that, that's being baked into it, but right. Zach but Wilson could be. be pretty decent in a Shanahan yeah. style offense. It like, could be, could be good um and the the backfield is ambiguous we don't know if they're ultimately going to lean on him as kind of a lead back so there's like paths to the upside michael carter isn't like a smash pick or anything but they're i I can't believe i'm arguing for him over ronald jones you've you've really i know really raking me over the coals here but (laughs) but he's a clearly better pick than ronald jones right now because there's just no path to like you had you know, like this was the guy you needed in not just like the ninth round, but when you look at like the seventh, eighth, ninth, 10th, 11th rounds, it's like Michael Carter. That's who everyone should have. Cause that like, go look at some old drafts, go look at drafts from like last year, the year before the way they look is that you're basically like, who, who should I even have taken in the seventh round? Like there's no one in this entire round Range, that I want. Right. Yeah. And so you're like, there's going to be someone this year, in the ninth round that was the best pick in the fifth round like that's yeah. the way this this goes the 80 because that's how wrong that that's how wrong we are that's how wrong that's how we wrong are. we are yeah yeah so i think carter at least has a chance to be that guy where you're like this was the dude you should have been taking you know four rounds ahead of adp um i don't think rojo has a chance to be that guy i think i think a lot of guys around that don't have a chance to be that guy so if you're taking a a detour it should at least you, be for you someone are, who can you be are hundred percent correct. Carter has way more avenues to being that guy, but Rojo has more avenues to just being the gets you 13 points at RB two when you need it a couple times. But, but to your James white point, that's available for free. Yeah. So don't, don't spend money on that. Yeah. Yeah. I gotta, I gotta chill with the James white. Cause I'm literally just taking him. And he also has a good bye week. Like his bye week does not coincide yeah, with lots of other true. guys I want to take. So it's just like the James White thing has just really worked out. And I, and, by, the, and if, by the way, Davis, when we had you on the NBC pod and Rotopat was just like getting a little freaked out about how in the weeds we were, 
Yeah. I'm really glad you didn't mention has a good bye week. Has a good bye week. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I don't think Rhoda Pat could have handled has a good bye week. No, no, that would have been too much for him. Like the idea of like, oh, you know, this is a good bye week to consider this. Like that would it would have been too much for him. Oh He's man. Like, he saw he saw into the world that me, you, and Kyle have been living in, and he did not like what he saw. <laughs> he did he not didn't. like what he saw. <laughs> <laughs> he was just like these guys there is no hope for these guys at all <laughs> we could have gotten even we could have talked about like layered running back portfolio theory like the idea that you need to have like different styles like he would dude we could we could have just lost him entirely <laughs> I think, amazing you know he's got the bit that he fires denny but i i swear if you had said james white is a great week 14 <laughs> that that I might have been fired. <laughs> he might have just ended this. He would have just ended the show. And then like, we can't, we can't be promoting this to people. Like we can't be responsible <laughs> for showing this to people. Yeah. But I, okay. I completely agree. I kind of like James White's bye week. You got He's Tariq got, Cohen back there. There's, there's other free. Um, I'm out. <clears throat> I'm out on Tariq, Tariq Cohen. Cohen. Uh, yeah. I prefer, I prefer Super Bowl MVP Damian Williams because uh, Tariq Cohen is not expected to be ready for the beginning of training camp for the bears. That's not good. That is not good. Um, yeah, but you do. Yeah, Damian Williams there. there. There's someone else I feel like right at the end that I'm forgetting right now. Um, there's there's other free guys that you can that you can tack on. Yeah, I mean the the free guys in terms of guys who well, it, the the big free guy that you and I are both on now I think is Justin Jackson. Yes, Justin Jackson, yeah. who, I mean, you want to like talk about ridiculous. Did you see the report from ESPN? Did you actually like read that report? Yeah, they said that Larry Roundtree is going to make the team over Justin Jackson because he's got huge thighs, and they said Josh Kelly is fast and that he was impressive last year despite being benched and not being fast. It sounds like hyperbole or like Davis is just kind of like taking this and twisting it just for no, jokes. It's that's verbatim. It's like that's verbatim. It's literally like Larry Roundtree has like big thick thighs, which is good for a running back and. And Josh Kelly is very fast and had and had a promising rookie season, which he did, which he did not. So no, this really report bad. that that Jackson might get cut, like anything can happen. But um, we have no, in my mind, no more information that he might get cut than we did before that article was published. Correct. Yeah. So there are, as always, there are always guys, you know, JV and Hawkins, Wayne Gallman, you know, Ty Johnson, Larry Roundtree. There, there are always guys. Are, are you in guys. on the Ty Johnson thing at all, or you just think that's nuts? I'll take him every once in a while. I, I He looked explosive a little bit last year, but only receiving the ball. Like I don't think he has any I, – I think they could suffer five running back injuries, and he would never take over a larger role in that offense. He is strict, Pat. Like, he is J.D. McKissick, basically. He's like 210 pounds, and – I, so and he it's a one cut system where he's fast like i don't know that that's remember the they did they did the same thing with him in detroit and then they cut him where where carry on got hurt or peterson got i don't remember the timeline there but their lead running back got hurt and they were using bo scarborough on early downs instead yeah because it's daryl bevel he wanted to play adrian peterson over deandre swift like we're talking about a a, a scheme that is based on speed and making a single cut and getting up field like i, I don't I don't know that that applies here. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm down. Like I'm, I'm down for Ty John. Like my favorite 18th round running back pick though, is Daryl Williams. And I am not going to waver from that. I, I haven't been taking him a lot, but I don't think like, I don't, I guess it's just like, it's one of those things, dude, where you're going to be right. But I'm still like not going to be. It's just, it's so boring. And it's not, it's, it's, so and it's, not boring. it's so boring. And it's not like it's going to be good. Like, it's not like, oh, Daryl Williams is really tearing it up in the second half of the season. It's going to be like 12 rushes for 38 yards, four receptions for 30 yards. And if he scores, it's a good week. And if he doesn't, he'll give you four points. You know what it is, Davis? It's, it's career day. And like, I'm coming in here with like an astronaut. Like, look at yes. this. Ty Johnson could go to the moon. And then you come in with your Daryl Williams accountant and it's like, I make a real, my 401k is in great shape. It's a steady, it's a steady, it's, it's, it's a living. Like it's it's not much, kids, but it's honest work. None of the kids are talking to the accountant afterwards. I'm, I ran over to that astronaut and uh, I'm, I'm tatting him up, seeing how I can win my league with Ty Johnson. So yeah, I, I can't, I can't, 
I can't stomach it, but uh, but I understand why. You know, you, you just bought a house. It's important your stability. Yeah. Is to you. So so Daigle Daigle wrote this the other day, which we can we can end here. He wrote this on NBC Sports Edge in his Chiefs uh, preview. He wrote. It's just so funny. It's got to be shared. Darwin Thompson is a better theory than football player. And I was like, yep, that's pretty good. <laughs> like, I don't even, I, he might not even, he might not even make the team. I mean, also McKinnon might not make the team. McKinnon is being drafted ahead of Darrell Williams and he might just not make the team either. Yeah. There was some report with him. What was it about his legs? They were something uh, about his legs. I, I got to ask Leone about it. Leone would remember. Would, would remember him more. <laughs> oh, they were dead. They were dead. That's right. That's right. The uh, the guy from the athletic reported that his legs were dead. So seems. Yeah. I'm just gonna guess for an NFL running back that that's not ideal. <laughs> Better to have alive legs, yeah. probably. Yep. All right, everyone. Follow Pat on Twitter at Pat Corain. Read his stuff on NBC Sports Edge. Listen to Ship Chasing, and uh, we'll be back next week. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn on what you want, like trying out that new workout class, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a foam roller for your sore muscles. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash activecash.